Hello, friends. My name is Aliza Kelly. I'm a celebrity astrologer, three-time author, and host of this podcast, Stars Like Us. Think of Stars Like Us as your favorite nighttime talk show that just so happens to be released every Monday morning. Each week, we connect with another amazing expert guest, and together we talk about everything under the sun. But before we get into today's episode, take a moment to rate this podcast five stars. Why? Because you're the fucking best. All right, now let's do it. Sit back, relax, and get ready for another out-of-this-world conversation. This is Stars Like Us. everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Aliza Kelly, and I am so thrilled to talk to a professional weirdo today. Zamboni Funk might know that I am also a professional weirdo, so we are colleagues in our field. (laughs) We're also colleagues because we are both astrologers. Zamboni Funk is a Scorpio sun, Aquarius moon, and Cancer rising. This is from Zamboni Funk's official professional bio I want to share. So Zamboni Funk is a professional weirdo, when he isn't playing bootylicious funk music on the bass, he tells stories about the ongoing dramas of the heavens with the basic understanding that whatever happens up there happens down here too, as above, so below. Timing is his specialty, from electing auspicious beginnings to keeping a killer pocket on stage, celestial and terrestrial, inquisitive minds and bumping rumps. It's all the same stuff, right? <laughs> Zamboni Funk, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to talk to you and to really, I mean, we are we are at the time of this recording, we have the moon in Aquarius and your Aquarius moon is, I think your Aquarius moon wrote your bio. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I lived through that Aquarius moon for sure. I mean, it's ruling the rising and all this, so, you know. For sure. Tell us, how did you become the Zamboni Funk that you are today? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, um, I started out as a child. Oh, wow. Okay. Shocking. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so I, I really started out as a musician. That's the funk part of uh, Zamboni funk, right? When I was a youth, I was like the, the most Christian youth that you've ever met in your life. Oh, really? I like, cared so much about Jesus. And um, really, the way that I found God was I, I would go to church and I would sing in the choir. And so I really I like had a lot of sort of... Uh, really important spiritual experiences during that time, you know, like seven, eight years old, something like this. And then there was this church family and everything. And I just like loved going to church. I loved it so much. And then at some point I stopped really believing in the sort of churchianity system that goes on in the United States. And so I was like, I was just kind of searching for a while. And um, during that time I got really into uh, playing funk music. And so I was, I became a serious bass player at that time. So I was really interested in Parliament Funkadelic. With Parliament, you know, the, the, the idea is like uh, niggas in space, basically. You know, it's sort of thinking about the Dogon people and like this idea of like people coming from space and sort of like giving these divine revelations to people and it being funky at the same time. And so uh, I got really into that and the, the mothership and all this sort of this situation. So it wasn't just funk music that was super dope, but there was also this kind of cosmology around it. 
And so then I, around that time, I started really thinking about how funk is the cosmic slime from which the universe is created. You know, funk is very much about the groove and it's about, it's, it's dance music, but funk is also like a smell and pee you, <laughs> you know, and um, it's the smell of sex and it's the smell of, it's swampy in its nature, you know what I mean? And, and that is uh, such a wildly creative force that I, I really got into it and was, was really excited about that. And so I started playing uh, music super seriously. I had this band called the Funky Funky Freaks for many years and uh, was like really just trying to do the, the funk music thing. And then, so I moved to New York uh, a little while after that. And was, so my idea was that I was going to move to New York and I was going to become Erica Badu's bass player. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And so I started working really hard on that. I learned all of Erica Badu's music on the bass. Like, I know all of these songs top to bottom. And so, you know, I was really into that and working really hard on it. And uh, so that was what I was going to do. Astrology was like, I, astrology was for weirdos and for, well, I mean, I've, I've always been weird, but like astrology was like, I, it wasn't a part of my consciousness at that time. So I went to California and I was trimming buds in California. And so my idea was I'm going to make $15,000, you know, in cash, make it in trimming buds. And then I'm going to come back to New York and I'm going to record an album. I got all these songs. I'm going to record this album with this seed money. But then I got sick while I was out there, while I was on the mountain. And so I couldn't stay in that place. It was a, I had, I had asthma and it's regional. And so it's not really a big deal in New York. But it is a big deal, evidently, in Northern California. And so I had a few of these nights where I was like, this is it. This is going to be my last night. I'm like not breathing anymore. Oh, wow. So I had to get out of there. But I had a subletter in my apartment in New York. And so I had to like, what, what was I going to do? And so um, I went to Kansas, which is where the Potawatomi Indian Reservation is. That's like uh, where my mom's people are. And so I went to hang out with my uncle. My uncle had cancer at that time. And so I just went to hang out with him, help, you know, like lift shit for him and stuff like that. And so got really into sort of the ancestral lineage situation, you know, started really sort of paying attention to uh, the roots and the foundations, as well as this, um, you know, what, what I like to think of as the old religion. This is a term that like Vine Deloria uses a lot, referring to uh, like indigenous spirituality. And so I, I sort of started looking into that and, and being interested in that. But I also didn't have a job at that time. And so I had a bunch of time to chill and listen to podcasts and listen to uh, lectures and things like this. And so I started getting into astrology. And in New York, I had had a girlfriend who we were reading horoscopes together. And so I'm Scorpio and she's Gemini. And so the, these make a quincunx aspect. So they're very different, right? They're, they can't see each other. And so what she was reading was very different from what I was reading. So we were living different things and seeing different things happen. And I saw that she was having a super visceral reaction. She was like really feeling the stuff and mad about it. And so I didn't know what was going on, but I knew that something was going on. Right. And so then I went on this whole trip and everything and had all this time on my hands. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to like dig into this and see what's going on. And so um, I got into the astrology podcast and, uh, you know, Chris Brennan and Austin Kopic and Kelly Surtees. And it was around that time that I realized that astrology wasn't just for like Cosmo magazine. And like, it wasn't, it wasn't the super like shallow new agey sort of thing, but like, there's this real uh, like academic rigor 
that goes into the thing. And so I was, I was really turned on by that. And I was like, oh my God, like, what's, what's going on here? And so I dived super deep into that. And then when I got back to New York, so the, uh, you know, the subletter left my room so I could go back. And I went back to New York and my friend Shakira uh, of astrology, at that time she was doing like regular astrology meetups where like a ch- astrology enthusiasts could hang out and smoke a bunch of weed and chill, you know? And so we did that. And so I, I went out there, you know, I was, I was just excited because she was black. Um, somebody who was black and doing astrology. And I was like, yes, let's talk. And so I went to her event and um, we started talking about stuff. And then, and so she heard the way that I was like interpreting charts and stuff like that. She was like, yo, why aren't you doing this? You need to be doing readings for people. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess I will do that. So I started doing that. And then, so around that same time, I drank some ayahuasca for the first time. And so somebody came to Brooklyn and served up some ayahuasca and I drank it. And it changed my whole concept of reality. It changed like what I thought was real and what I thought was possible. And, you know, it really gave me a sense of uh, interiority of like thought and mind and like matter. Things have a way of thinking about things. And I didn't realize that things could think about stuff. And so I had this moment of, of like, oh my God, this is like, this is really something here. Like there's, there's magic in the world. So that changed my whole idea of what reality is. Now, so I came back to New York and before I uh, went on this trip, I had been like managing an acupuncture clinic. And so it wasn't my acupuncture clinic, but I more or less lived there. I was working, like, you know, it was like just under 40 hours. I was working 37 hours or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Just like in there all the time and um, cared a lot about the spot, but had no real decision making authority. And so was consistently frustrated. And so when I came back, I was like, I'm not working for somebody else anymore. I'm not doing this. So I started doing some astrology readings. And and in addition to the bass music, right, I'm still playing the bass super seriously at this point and and really sort of like thinking about how to how to do all of these things together. So I was really into uh, the astrology podcast and particularly Austin Kopic. I really like the way that this dude talks about stuff. I really like the way that he sort of conceives of reality. He used to have a talisman's course, which is no longer available. You have to like go through his level one, level two, and then it's like a a part of his uh, year three course, I think. Um, But at that point, it was just like, you could just sign up cold. And so I did that. And in doing that, I learned about electional astrology. And so electional astrology is, so uh, an election is a choice, right? It's when you like make some kind of decision and elect a moment to do something, to, to begin something, right? And so in the, in the case of his talismans course, it was like, you choose a perfect moment to create an, uh, an image, which then goes on to have magical powers. And so I learned about electional astrology. And so the thing ab- about this kind of astrology, elections, especially for magic talismans, is it's very rigorous. You have to know really good astrology and be able to like understand houses and how things are interacting and the rulers of houses and you know, you you have to be very careful and attentive in order to do this kind of work. And so I learned a lot in that moment. And so then that got me really thinking about timing as a phenomenon, like how you can sort of like be in the spot at the moment. And that like being there in that moment is uh, the most important thing. And I found that to be super resonant alongside the way that I approach music as well. So rhythm and timing is a, a 
crucial way that I understand music. I'm not a super, like, I know, I know some basic music theory, you know, but like, I'm not a reader. I'm not, you know, I'm not Chopin with it, right? But I do really well with groups. And so, and I, I sit in that pocket super deeply, you know what I mean? And I can get booties in motion. If you can create that kind of timing or be right on time, then it tells your booty right where to go. And so I was thinking about sort of like approaching timing in this way and approaching like celestial timing in this way. It's just, it's the same thing. It's this like rhythmic cycles of timing. You can do that, but like on a weekly or on a monthly scale. So anyway, this is all, I'm, I'm taking these classes. I'm thinking these thoughts, right? So I was like, all right, I'm going to be a serious astrologer. You know, so this is early 2017 at this time. And I have Saturn in Capricorn. And so Saturn had just moved into Capricorn. And so I was like, Saturn return time. And one of the things that Austin had said at the beginning of uh, Saturn in Capricorn was, so Saturn is the planet of consequences. There, So if we think about consequences, a lot of time we think about like crime and punishment and that sort of thing. Like you have to go to detention now or something like this, right? But he was like, well, the other side of that is credit where credit is due, right? And so Saturn is really big on work really hard now and you'll get some back pay later, you know? And so I decided at that time that like at the beginning of Saturn and Capricorn, that by the end of Saturn and Capricorn, I was going to be a legit astrologer. Like I was going to be the real deal. I was going to know how to do the thing and people were going to respect me around it. And so I was like, all right, how am I going to do this? And so I was thinking about um, this idea of mastery. And have you heard about like 10,000 hours and this kind of thing? So if you spend 10,000 hours doing a thing, then you will, you will become a master at it. There's no way to practice something that much and not get really good at it. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to read 10,000 charts. I'm going to look at 10,000 charts and have an opinion about them. You know what I mean? And say something about them. Birth charts or electional charts? Charts. Just any charts? Yeah, yeah. They can be cool. horary charts. Like any, okay, any cool, kind cool, of chart. Cool. Okay, I'm going to look at the chart and I'm going to have an opinion about it. So I was like, how am I going to get through 10,000 charts? There's a lot of charts. And so I decided that, well, you know, so like the way that Saturn does stuff is like do one a day, you know what I mean? Put, you know, just like put the work in. And if you continue to do that work consistently over a long period of time, then that's how you build your mastery. And so I started writing dailies on Instagram. Um, the other thing that was going on is, uh, so I was living in New York and I would, I would just like walk by these masterpieces all the time. These like murals on the wall. They were just amazing. And I would always be taking pictures of them. And I was just filling my phone up. And I was like, what am I going to do with these pictures, you know? And so I started writing dailies, uh, you know, about whatever is going on in the heavens. I write about what's going on in the heavens today and like how to, so, and I approached that electionally. Like, so what is today good for? We've got the uh, full moon in Aquarius today, right? So what is this full moon in, in Aquarius trying to say? And what is this good for? How do I use this uh, productively in my life? So I'd write that. And then, but it's on Instagram, right? And so it needs an image to go with it. And so I would illustrate it with whatever like street art I had found. You know, I would just look through the gallery and find something that, that illustrated what I had written and put that up. And so I started doing that really regularly and just going through it and going through it and going through it. And after a while, somebody asked me to start doing weekly forecasts. And so I started doing the weeklies. And uh, so those are those are videos. And so I just like sort of talk about what's going to happen this week. And so then that's when things sort of like got started. And I started to get a little bit of traction because I'd been writing the dailies for like a year and a half at that point, you know, with 600 followers or whatever. And 
getting 12 likes every day and all this sort of stuff, getting a little discouraged and all this, but like, you know, that's, that's the Saturn thing, you know, especially at the, that first year of whatever you're doing with Saturn, like Saturn is going to beat you up. Right. And, and I have a night chart and all this, like me and Saturn have had some times. Right? <laughs> I'm a Capricorn rising. So yeah, Saturn, I'm oh, Saturn's yeah, bitch. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But somebody, one of those 12 people who was liking every day, uh, saw what I was doing and had the capacity to put me on. And so I started doing these weekly, these weekly things for the Alchemist Kitchen. And so the Alchemist Kitchen is like well known in Europe and, and like has hundreds of thousands of followers or whatever. And so they started posting my weeklies there. And so people started to pay attention. And so I started to get a little bit of traction. You know what I mean? I'm like doing the thing a little bit. My prices started to go up, this kind of stuff. I just continued to do that. And so a year went by and then George Floyd died. And um, that was terrible. And it was really like the, the whole thing was like so absurd, you know, and this is like during Venus retrograde in Gemini, right? So Venus retrograde is often associated with like uh, civil rights or, you know, you get a lot of this kind of uh, uprising or upwelling during a Venus retrograde time. So this is going on during this whole time. And, um, and so while that was happening, then, you know, there, there were a lot of these uh, posts that were like, why are the only astrologers on my feed white women? Like, you know, post your favorite black astrologer. And so uh, I got posted on that a couple of times. And so in that moment, like my following quadrupled in like three weeks or something like that. It was crazy. Like I suddenly had all of this attention. So many people were suddenly looking at me. But because I had put in the Saturn foundational work already, I already had a rhythm. I already was like, you know, I had already been doing dailies for two and a half or three years at that point. And so it was like, you know, when it was time for people to pay attention to me, then I already had a thing going and um, I was able to like hold that. You know what I mean? I had a bunch of people who were paying attention and could relate to what I was writing about or whatever I was uh, doing. And so then that sort of uh, catapulted me to a place where this is like what I do super seriously now. Wow. So what happened with Erica Badu? Still TBD? I never met Erica Badu. Still TBD. <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> she's such a good totally. pisces she's such a i what a what a magical and magnetic person yeah yeah she makes amazing music and uh like the the music is super dope and the lyrics are super dope and uh it's really it's also spacey and excellent um very much in the same way you know like i feel like you can draw a straight line from parliament funkadelic to erica badu you know this it's a new generation and i'm the generation that comes after that so I, I continue to love Erica Badu's music. At this point, I don't know that I would work well with Erica Badu. Interesting. Yeah, you know, she seems like a flake. But she's a Pisces. You know. Pi right, it's you know? Pisces are tough, you know. Totally, totally. Yeah, mad love for Pisces. Mad love for that. Mad love for Pisces. I, I'm a Pisces moon. I really understand that flow. But yeah, I think on a sun sign position, you know, it's... You're going in the water, then you go really deep in the water, then you're on the surface. It's like some beautiful dolphin stuff. Like it's you're not always going to know where a dolphin is if you're just looking at the surface. Totally. totally. Well, that is a really I mean, Saturn Capricorn to Saturn Capricorn. I totally get it. And I, I also mm. in my upcoming book, the the manifestation that I have around career and I hadn't even really thought about it in these Saturn terms, but it's to do one thing a day. That is the, mm -hmm. that's the ritual that I present of like, you know, how can you 
bring the thing that you want to life. Yeah, Saturn is like that consistency. It is, you know, it is the old man, you know, it's like you got to get to the old man phase in order to really be able to take a step back and look and reflect and have that agency and that authority and that presence to be able to really to feel that respect. I mean, respect is such an important Saturn and Capricorn thing. I'm wondering Mm. if you use the modern planets at all, or if you are just working with the traditional ones. Yeah, I, I do, you know, like, so there's like a Saturn Uranus square going on right now. Like, I'm not going to ignore that, right? There's, that's so very important, right? But like, you know, it depends on what we're trying to do. You know, so like if it, it, whenever I'm doing my dailies or whatever, then like a lot of times I don't really use planets that are much further out from uh, Uranus. So like Neptune and Pluto, I don't use very much unless there's something really important. We had a Saturn Pluto conjunction, right? I'm not going to ignore that either. But like on the, on a day to day, you know, I care much more about what's going on with the moon, what's happening with Mars, what's happening with Saturn. You know what I mean? Uh, Mars and Saturn are very like sort of, you know, felt in the day to day and, you know, speak to like how you need to do shit a lot of times or, or things that are like happening to you. A lot of times when you get to Neptune or something like that, it's like you, you can feel it. And there's a there's like a, a sense of uh, what's what's happening here. But like it, it's not well understood a lot of times in classic Neptune fashion <laughs> yeah, as, exactly, as right. in only a way that Neptune could. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> sure. or, or Pluto also, you know, Pluto is really is is wildly confusing. I, I often talk about Pluto as being like uh, the funhouse mirror, you know, and so you look, look into the mirror and it's all and you get this distorted image back, um, which can be very confusing. You don't really know what's happening here. It's very there's a like uh, strong emotional response that comes up with that. But again, the, like you feel it a lot, but you don't necessarily know what's happening in the same way that like uh, when Mars is up in your face and you got, like got somebody in your grill, then like you, you kind of know what's happening there. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So do you, as a Scorpio son, do you connect? Because we obviously, you know, Scorpio is one of those planets that depending on whether you're using modern or traditional techniques is either mm-hmm. going to be reporting to Mars or going to be reporting to Pluto. So do you feel like you have the, that you could embody the Mar the Martian energy more than the Plutonian energy of that? Or do you feel like you've sort of confuse them or go back and forth or how does that I don't have I'm I'm a Leo so I'm just sun through and through you know so I'm not sure what it feels like I do feel that with like Pisces I can I feel like I can tap into with my moon the Jupiter aspect of it differently than I can tap into the Neptune aspect of it Mm. so I'm curious on a solar level do you do you connect with the Martian energy more sure well so so I have Pluto in Scorpio. What, were you born in 89? 88. Cool. I'm 89. So, you know, Pluto in Scorpio and I've got, and I've got Net, or, um, Mercury closely conjunct that Pluto and I write all day. So, so the, the Mercury Pluto really comes out um, and comes out in my writing a lot. One of the things that people consistently say to me is like, oh my God, you're so brutal. But like, that's what I'm here <laughs> for. I need that brutal honesty, you know? And so uh, I definitely feel that like Mercury Pluto in Scorpio situation that comes through super strongly. But I also have Mars and Aries. Oh, what a what a fucking placement. I love Mars and Aries. It's my favorite. I I envy it so much. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. The thing is that it's like also closely square to Saturn, right? So I've got this Saturn in an overcoming square to Mars. 
And so it's, it's high malefic energy. You know what I mean? Uh, there's conflict, there's struggle, there's challenge. But in that, there's this sort of overcoming that, you know, that I really focus on, you know, like the, and I, I really like people who have strong malefics, people who have uh, like heavy malefics in their chart are much more interesting to me a lot of times than people who have like a lot of benefic stuff where shit's just kind of working for them. Yeah, I, I feel that too. I don't, I, I want to know your thoughts about the malefics and the benefics because I don't use traditional astrology. I don't use, I don't lean too heavily into the malefics and the benefics. But mm. I use that a lot with like aspects, you know, like I love heavily squared charts. I'm like, obs- mm. like, show me a grand fucking cross and I am all about it. Like, I love a chart that is in a T-square, like just mm. there, there is so much tension and the planets are constantly in battle with each other because to me, that's like, we're going to, we're going to get something done. I also have found that a lot of trines in a chart it's very hard for, you know, the person is often going to feel like they're right. And all of the bad things that are happening to them are the enemy, right? But the, Mm. but the internal struggle isn't there, which is, I guess, psychologically more positive. But it's one of those where like, everyone else is like, this person is like, out of line. And they're like, I'm not. Whereas when you have a heavily squared chart, you're like, Oh, my God, I want to do this. But I also want to do this. But I said this thing, but I don't want to do this thing. And like, you're feeling Mm. that strife more. But other people are like, oh, this is a complex, multidimensional person, like no problem, you know. But I'm curious Mm -hmm. about, you know, as somebody who works with the malefics and the benefics, how do you reconcile the threatening aspects of them, (laughs) so to speak? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, it's very similar to what you were talking about, you know what I mean? So like um, trines are aspects which are associated with Jupiter. This comes out of the theme of Mundi, right? So like the way that planets are arranged in the theme of Mundi is, uh, you know, you get Jupiter makes trines to, to the luminaries and Mars makes squares to the luminaries and Saturn, Saturn makes oppositions to the luminaries and stuff like this, right? So this is part of the way that we can derive some of our significations around, you know, the, the way that aspects work, you know, there, there's a, there's a strong stopping force to oppositions, which is very similar to the stopping force that Saturn has, right? It's a very similar sort of situation. Oh, speaking of T-squares, you'll probably, uh, you you might like to know that I have Venus and Libra as well. So I've got Venus and Libra, I've got Mars Me and too! Venus, and I have, oh, really? Yeah, cool. I have Venus, zero degrees Libra. Mm, okay, mine's 19. It's okay, they're both in Libra, they're hanging. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. But so, um, you know, so the way that I talk about benefic and malefic a lot is so the word benefic means a doer of good and the word malefic means an evil doer, right? And so this, you know, it's important to divorce this from moral or ethical concerns, right? This does not, like, when we're talking about good and evil, this is, you know, doing good and evil in your life, that's between you and your deity of choice. That, that's not what the astrology is trying to talk about. Um, usually when we're talking about malefic and benefic, then like a malefic is the one who does evil because it brings you things that you don't like. It brings you discomfort. It brings you challenges, conflict, things that are um, hard to deal with. Whereas the doers of good, they bring you stuff that you do like. They bring you uh, chilling on the couch and they bring you rest and uh, fun and abundance and joy and these kinds of things, right? And so it's very possible that what you need in your life is challenge and difficulty, right? It's very possible that what you need 
is something that would that you might consider at that time to be evil you might consider that to be like man fuck this saturn all up in my face and like i i want to i want to be happy and stuff but like there's all this melancholy and i'm so isolated and all this sort of stuff right doesn't feel good but perhaps that's the thing that you need in your life in order to uh get up off your ass and do and become great you know i when i think about malefic versus benefic i really think about it as discomfort versus comfort and so I don't really mind. I, I use, you know, like I, I told you my lineage already, like the, these these folks, Chris Brennan, uh, Austin Kopic and them, and then like on back to Serapio and uh, Valens and all this sort of stuff. Like they, they care super deeply about malefic and benefic and good and bad and that sort of thing. But this is very much uh, experiential. Do you like it or do you not like mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that description of them. So in whole sign, my chart actually is totally different than it is in Placidus. But mm-hmm. I I love Placidus because I'm a messy Pisces moon bitch who wants like the gradients. You know, I like the interceptions sure. and shit. But in whole sign, everything like, you know, it's like it, my eighth house stellium gets spread out and it becomes like a tenth then a ninth then a eighth then a seventh. And it's like so much more, so much le- less condensed. But in the chart that saw me first in the experience that I had with astrology, where I first was like, oh, that's that is my life. It was with my eighth house stellium. And obviously, you know, when you first are getting into astrology or you first discover something that you can really like sink your teeth into. And for me, it was Mars in the eighth sun in the sun conjunct south node in the eighth Mercury in the eighth Venus in the eighth Juno in the eighth. And everything that I would read was like horrific. You know, it was like, it was horrible. And I was also, I'm a big uh, vintage book fan. So I was getting all of these vintage, you know, books written in the early 1900s, 30s, 40s, and the fatalistic language of like, your dad drowns, you drown, death by knife, death by blunt wound to the head, like death by this. It was like, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty like, strong person. But it at a certain point, I was like, this is like, no longer helpful. You know what I mean? Like, this is no mm-hmm. longer, this is not actually benefiting my life to hear to like read these really horrific graphic tragedies that would come from the chart that I had no control over having in the first place. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't choose mm-hmm. this shit. Like, I, I already felt like I had a tough life. And then I was starting to read this. And I was like, Oh, my God, like this astrology is horrible. <laughs> this is horrible. But I totally. it felt like it was my mission to then repurpose it, you know, and to apply it and to move step away from the fatalism and to step away from the terror and to say, okay, well, what does it mean to have really hard things in your chart? What does it mean to have traditionally difficult placements, traditionally difficult signatures and to still be happy and to still have joy and to still appreciate your chart and appreciate your life and not like feel then that you are just sort of cursed, right? Because that's a thing, especially, you know, for someone who, for anyone, I think, who's, you know, moving from the, that Western um, monotheistic, good, bad binary, you know, you get these things and it's like, is it good or bad? And that's always, you know, that's the default question. Well, is it good or bad? And to think about things, not just as this codified, like there are two options. One of them is heaven and one of them is hell. There is earth, right? And like on earth, there are all of these 
motions and all of these seasons and all of these energies and to divorce that from needing to make something good or bad, but simply existing to me was like the value of unpacking my eighth house, working with Placidus, um, and probably why I have never been able to really dig into or incorporate, I should say, the malefics and benefics and the traditional practice into my life is because I had to create more poeticism around it, you know, and I felt like what I was reading at that time when I was really learning about astrology, there wasn't as much nuance, you know, there wasn't as much like we could take malefics and benefics as challenges or blessings. But for me, it was so literal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Totally. Yeah. Well, you know, this is this is very much the job of the astrologer to, you know, when you're when you're in a reading with someone, it's different from what you read in the text, right? So you like read the book and the book is like death by blunt object or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but then when you're when you're an astrologer and you're reading for someone, then it's like, okay, well, you, maybe this person doesn't need to hear like you're, you are coming up on a death by blunt object. You know what I mean? Like you can, many ways to talk about things, you know what I mean? Um, and like, and so strong malefics or, you know, like just yesterday I did a reading for somebody who had, I think it was Mars conjunct the South node in Sagittarius in the 12th. Mars conjunct the South node in Sagittarius in the 12th. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. So this person was, was like, I don't know if I'm ever gonna not deal with this anxiety. Like I, I have so much anxiety and like, I'm so scared about everything. And like, I, I feel really terrible. And so to see that uh, Mars conjunct the South Node in Sagittarius in the 12th, you know, and we're, and so we have the South Node in Sagittarius right now. And so we're in this eclipse cycle and everything. For that person, I was like, oh, you're right on time. Like it's, you know, and that can be a comfort sometimes. And I, uh, oftentimes that's what I find is that, you know, when I'm talking to people and I'm like, oh, this looks like a really hard placement, then people be like, yes, yes, this is, I, Thank you for seeing me yes. in this. You know what I mean? And it's a, it's a really important part of my practice always, it, just like my, my regular practice as a person to uh, move toward positive vibes, to move toward accomplishment, toward achievement. I've had plenty, fair, my fair share of challenges, you know, um, but that doesn't mean that I, that I have to be sad all the time. It doesn't mean that I need to live in anger. Um, or it doesn't need to mean that I need to live in resentment or that I need to like think through all of my trauma all the time. You know what I mean? Like I can still go out and I can do things. I can, uh, like accomplish things and, and I can use this. What, you know, the, the things that I have available to me, I can use those toward making great things happen. And I feel like this is, um, what I end up doing a lot of times when I am reading for people, you know, and this, this goes back to the brutal honesty that people really like about me. It's that, um, you know, I, I see the thing and I'm not afraid of the thing. And sometimes, you know, sometimes death by blunt object object happens. You know what I mean? And there needs to be, sp- like, if astrology works, then um, there needs to be a description of that. You know, there, there needs to be a way to describe terrible things because terrible things actually do happen. And so there needs to be space for that in the system of astrology. Now, that doesn't mean that as a reader, if I see death by blunt object, that I need to talk about that. And like, that needs to be the, 
you know, the focus of the conversation. But, you know, if astrology is going to work, then there needs to be space for that. And so when I'm looking at stuff and I'm looking at difficult things and I need to be able to name those things and then be like, okay, so now what do we do with this? How do we, how do we engage this? What does this mean? You know, one of my favorite things to do is to uh, look at, so another reading I did yesterday was somebody who, um, somebody who had the moon in Gemini rising and uh, Mercury and everyone else in Aries. And so uh, the way that I delineated that was like really good at getting stuff started, inconsistent finishing things, right? Uh, Distractible. And so this person was like, yes, that's absolutely what's going on. I never finish anything. That's why I've never gotten anywhere in my life. And so I was like, okay, cool. So then, you know, my my analogy was, you know, thinking about like people who are are left-handed, And so those folks need to be able to like hitting them on the left hand and making them right with the right hand is no solution to this, whatever's going on. You know what I mean? We need to build a system that incorporates this. We need to like understand that this is, this is how um, things want to operate for you. There's this, if you're going to be this inconsistent, for example, then we need to like give you some achievable goals. So you, you can work for 15 minutes at a time and then give yourself something distracting to go do so that you can, you know, like, you know, that this is your operating system. And so use that to your advantage. You know what I mean? If you've got challenges, if you've got difficulties, then how can you use that as your foundational structure to still go on and do whatever it is that you want to do in your life? Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I I totally uh, hear you. And I think that that is, is very much my philosophy on how of working with the chart too, because ultimately you, the last thing that you want to do is try to make yourself different than you are, you know, mm-hmm. ever. And that we wouldn't want to do that with a chart either. And I think that that's why astrology is so magical and so profound is that it really allows you to just show up be yourself, be your strengths and weaknesses, and then be like, okay, well, if these are all correct, if this is true, if astrology works, then I'm a really multidimensional person and my skills might not be your skills, but that doesn't mean my skills are bad. You know, my skills are just Mm -hmm. different. But if you still want to achieve certain things or have certain cares, there are, there are ways that you are feeling stifled by your chart or yourself, then how can those be embedded and baked into your approach so that they don't become roadblocks, but they become sort of like amplification, you know, that they could actually assist you in that journey rather than limit your potential. Mm-hmm. Bake it into the system. Bake it in. Got to bake it in. Mm-hmm. So a few questions I have for you now. Question number one, what do you believe in? Uh, punk and roll. Love it. Uh, <laughs> you know, so... I really, I'm really big on uh, funk as the, the cosmic slime from which the universe is created. But then, so what does that mean? You know, to me, this works really well with uh, the old religion and uh, the way of sort of seeing the world as a living thing, the world, and not only a living thing, but many living things in the way that, uh, you know, I, I am a cohesive unit. I am one. But at the same time, each of my cells and each of my organs is a cohesive one unto itself. And so um, I see myself very much as a cell in the body of the earth. 
there's, and it scales infinitely. The earth is a cell in the body of maybe the solar system or whatever gets bigger. Like it, once it gets that big, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. We don't go past, past Uranus over here. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but you know, it scales infinitely in both directions. And, um, and there's, there's life, there is consciousness, there is coherent interiority at each one of these levels. And so, you know, when I, when it comes to the the like deep beliefs that I that I hold and that I uh, try to move through the world with, then it's very much the personhood of each one that I interact with. You know what I mean? Um, so like a year ago or something, not not that long, half a year ago, I did this talk about it was called toward a relational metaphysics uh, in the era of air, and uh, that was very much about sort of like relating to um, others as persons and so one of the one of the things that i really uh stressed in that talk was like so plants are people so in potawatomi language so there's the the word for stick is took right and that's just a stick right but then the word for and uh, the word for man is nana and so then we, if we want to talk about a tree then we'll say nana. and so this is the literally it's the man in the tree or the man in the stick Right. And so here, what we what we see is uh, an acknowledgement that the tree is somebody. Right. The tree is a person. And so um, whenever I want to engage with that, then I, I think a lot about rather than like what tree is that or what kind of tree is that, then I, I, I'm really big on asking the question, who is that tree? You know, and you can still come up with the same answer. It's a sycamore or whatever it is. Right. But this question, who? matters a lot. And I think that this is really important to think with, um, not only on an animal level, right? And so for a long time, uh, animals were not considered to have any kind of consciousness, even though you can look and like, look a dog in the eye, you can make eye contact with a, with a dog or, but then, uh, you know, black people were considered to not have consciousness in the scientific literature and this kind of thing as well, right? And so if we know that black people do, in fact, have consciousness and are people, then how far does this extend? And it turns out that it extends a really long way. And so um, engaging with that who and the sort of personhood of uh, the surroundings, the personhood of the, the earth in general, but then the trees and then mountains and streams and all of this, each one of these is somebody and someone who we can relate to on a person to person level. I love that so much. Thank you for such a beautiful answer. I think about white supremacy so often as in the terms of how it strips consciousness. And it really like, it's horrible. I don't have anything else to say. It just, it's just so disgusting because yeah, every, everything is conscious and people obviously it's like, so uh, such a no brainer to see consciousness in other people. But then obviously this goes into the exploitation of this beautiful place that we are all inhabiting and how just how terribly disrespectful it is. I'm sorry. You made me very emotional. I'm very Pisces moon today. Um, <laughs> the moon is full. It's all right. I'm sorry. <laughs> My next question for you is how does magic show up in your life? Sure. Well, once you take the idea that the world is conscious, 
or um, you know that the stars are conscious, right? Like if we're if we're talking about making magic talismans in the in the style of the Picatrix or whatever, right? Then uh, then magic starts to show up a lot. It's like, hold up a minute, what isn't magic, right? And this, this extends to your iPhone or whatever too, right? Like, how did this thing come to be? And like, you can watch the way that phones sort of uh, like dominate people's lives or or this kind of thing, and you can see how like it's there, there's something really going on here, you know, and something that is more than the the simple material or uh, matter of what's going on. Some something uh, non physical is happening here as well, and so uh, so I just kind of live in this space, but like. One of the most magic things that I sort of engage with a lot is uh, ancestral lineage repair. So uh, my my mom is uh, Potawatomi Native American. My, my dad is black, uh, like an American black person. And so in both of these cases, th- there's there's a long story of uh, genocide and uh, forced removal, right? And so there's uh, I, I see it very much as my job to sort of engage that and to work on the repair of the lineage. There's much separation and, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, disgust is the word that's coming to mind in this lineage, you know? And so for whatever reason, I seem to be the one that the ancestors think it, like is like I should be out here like trying to make these repairs. And so my mother's clan is the Thunderbird clan of the Prairie Band Potawatomi people. And so uh, we we are directly descended from hawks. I don't know how that works, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hawks are so cool. Yes, they're very they're cool. They're so cool. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you a story then. So I see hawks a lot when like important things are going to happen. And so one time, so uh, I went to live in Costa Rica recently um, where I worked uh, on an ayahuasca retreat center. And uh, like you spent a lot of time in the rainforest and and drinking ayahuasca and and doing a lot of different kind of work there. I, I'm gonna have to get that number for uh, Jupiter and Pisces 2022. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, J- Jupiter and Pisces with Neptune and Pisces. Yeah, I, really I know, I know, I know, I know. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, and Venus is gonna come through there at some point too, right? Woo. And it's on my moon. Right, right. <laughs> Watch out! <for> I, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Easy does it. <laughs> yeah, careful with those oceans. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Once you and you know, so and that was one of the things that was like out. Uh, I was I was in Costa Rica. I was on the Pacific Ocean. I was directly on the Pacific Ocean. It was amazing. The most beautiful thing that I've ever seen in life. It was like this amazing, epic beauty all the time. But like, be careful because that's the ocean out there, and the ocean, like doesn't care about your little like what, whatever totally. you like oh it's so nice out here like the ocean doesn't give a shit about that <laughs> like, the ocean will swallow you up yes so uh so just be aware of that and and it's very much the same with the psychedelic stuff you know you get out into this realm where, where things are a lot of bit different and you're you're not in your sort of material realm anymore then things can get dangerous out there and that's one of the uh main teachings that i that i learned from ayahuasca is that it's it's all very like ethically ambiguous once we get out into that sort of space, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can think about how the the great spirit or or the the big deity, whatever you want to call the, the creator, right? If you even want to believe in a creator. But like that thing has uh, seen fit to allow things like white supremacy to take place, right? Right. And so they're like, I don't, 
I don't know what good is anymore, right? Like, and, and once you get out into that space, then things can get really dangerous because what even am good at this point? And like, right, 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 right. I, I hear you. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It's like, right, it doesn't have, it doesn't abide by the same sort of like ethical code that has been or is like trying to be established here in this consciousness. Exactly, exactly. And that's one of the, you know, like, and that's how we get into like moral relativism and stuff like this. You know, there are a lot of, you know, we can talk about indigenous people as, you know, we have this sort of like noble savage idea. And even, even to get into like, uh, like Tukwabana and like all this sort of stuff, like sort of feeds into that a little bit. But there are indigenous people who are killer, violent people, you know, cannibals and shrinking heads and all this sort of stuff, right? And that that's just not my business. You know what I mean? I'm not the one to be like, what, people shouldn't shrink heads and kill people so much and stuff like that. Like, I just don't know, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the, the truth or the moral rightness is. Right? I think about this all the time because I watch a lot of nature documentaries uh, mm-hmm. obsessively. And I think about the narrative that, you know, David Attenborough, who I adore, but or any narrator is, you know, imposing on the storylines, which makes it riveting to watch. But of course, it's coming from a human consciousness. But we don't fucking know. You know, we have no idea what the terms and the agreed upon or what is acceptable or isn't acceptable is within species outside of our own, you know. So like as you're watching wolves kill wolf babies, like we're creating a narrative of like, oh, it's territory but we have no idea. Right, right. For real. I think about this when it comes to cats a lot, you know, like, like regular ass domestic cats, right. Who are murderers by their nature. It's what they do. Like you, the, the happiest cat you've ever seen in the world is someone who just killed somebody. Right. That, that hat, that cat is like love and life. <laughs> or, if think, or if we can think about um, like the way that sex happens between cats. Like if, the, if humans did that, then we would call it rape. Right. And so, but it's what they do. And I'm just not the one to, to judge that. Totally. Right? And so there's the, the whole thing gets really weird once you start to like think about it in these terms. So I was going to tell you a story about Hawk. So before I went to Costa Rica, I was going to, my plan, I was in Brooklyn and I was just sort of drowning. I had, you know, like the pandemic was happening. And so I was like all cooped up in my little, my, my one bedroom, right? And, and I was just like in there drowning. My, my business was flourishing and all this. And I was like looking really good on the internet. But like I, in my heart, I was like in, in really bad shape. I was really close to suicide. So I was just going to go to Costa Rica and drink some ayahuasca. I was going to go to a retreat and then come back to Brooklyn renewed and all this sort of thing. And so um, then one morning, so I got up and I was like doing my prayers. I get up and I do sunrise prayers every morning. And I was like uh, doing my little prayers and everything. And that, but all, I hated that shit this morning. I was like, I was tired and I was just like, all I want to do is get back in bed. And so, um, I I was just, I had finished everything and I was just about to get in bed and I heard a loud thing in my ear that was like PCR test. I was like, okay, I don't know what this is about, but I was, I was like, okay, I need to figure out, uh, what the rules are in order to get from this country into that one. Right. And I was, I had been procrastinating and I was like, okay fine, I will look the shit up, right? And so I was like looking it up and doing my little research. And I heard something like start to drip or something on the the air conditioner that was outside. Like it was a window air conditioner unit. And I heard something start to drip or something like this, like tip tapping. So I finished up my research, figured everything out. was like, all right, I'm going to bed. Got into the bed and the thing continues to click, tap, drip, whatever it is. And I was like, oh, man, like, I know that there's some like nuts in this windowsill and we have a history of mice in the building and shit like that. So like, I guess I need to, 
ah, all right, I get up and I pull the curtain back and there's a hawk on the other side on the air conditioner and it's tearing a smaller bird to shreds. Oh <laughs> my God. This is in Brooklyn? In trails. Yeah, in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. In Bed-Stuy. <laughs> so like entrails are going everywhere. Feathers are going everywhere. It's wild. It's a wild time, right? And, um, and a bunch of like some of the feathers like landed in the coffee that I had offered to the ancestors also. Right. And so when I thought about it later, you know, with, if we start to think about like the whole world is magical and this kind of thing, then no data are irrelevant. And so, um, what was I doing at the moment that the hawk appeared? Well, I was looking in, I was researching this Costa Rica trip. And so I was like, oh, I guess this Costa Rica thing is going to be a bigger deal than I thought it was going to be. And so I ended up actually leaving Brooklyn entirely and moving to Costa Rica. I spent five months in Costa Rica. And it, and it was the super, like, really visceral and important experience for me. You know, this is, a, this is a good example of, like, hawks showing up in magic and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, I love that. That is so wild. Wow. I don't, I definitely don't know if I've ever seen a hawk in New York. And I definitely have never seen a hawk on an air conditioner, <laughs> just like going to town on a small bird. That is a yeah. sight to be seen. And it was like, it was super, it was on the other side of the window. You know what I mean? It That's was as wild. Close to where it is right now, like just right there and like, and doing the super like and like tearing a bird to shreds. You know? Wow. Crazy. Yeah. That is so visceral. That is so carnal. That sounds like funk in a lot of ways, actually, from what you're describing. Absolutely. So I would love to conclude our wonderful conversation by giving you a tarot poll, if that is of interest for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. So there are two options. There's one, which is that I can pull a card in response to something that you are curious about, and we could have the card sort of be a direct uh, dialogue with something that's on your mind, or we could just pull a card and see what it is. I have a strong preference for option number one, but I do always like to provide option number two. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, uh, I read cards also. And um, I, I believe strongly that when you read a card uh, or a set of cards and it's in response to the question that you gave. And so uh, good questions get good responses. And uh, no question is g- gives you gibberish a lot of times. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> So um, in that case, so I'm kind of drifting around right now. I, uh, I no longer live in New York City. I'm like drifting and not sure where I'm supposed to go after this or what it is that I'm supposed to be doing or like, yeah, the, the question where shows up for me a lot. Like, where am I supposed to go? Mm-hmm. Just out of curiosity, where in the world are you right now? Uh, I'm currently in mid-Missouri. I'm in Columbia, Missouri, which is where I grew up. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, my brother is here with his little babies. And uh, so I get to, be, get to be uncle for a little while. Oh, that's a fun role. Yeah, it's super cool. I, you know, and I felt so bad by like being away and all this, you know, like I'm, I'm a globetrotter and all this. And so I, you know, like, and that, that means that I like left a lot of family behind. And so, um, so it's nice to hang out with these kids who, you know, who, who I love dearly, but I also just don't get to see them ever. So shall the question be where now or where next? Where next? Okay, cool. Interesting. Five of wands. So <laughs> what this says to me is, it, I mean, this card is 
<laughs> this card is so dramatic for no fucking reason. It is like the wands. I mean, the whole the whole wand story is always drama. But this card in particular being at the mid, you know, like sort of right in the middle of the narrative. There's like this combative, like it's social one. It's social. So it's around other people. But it's also around other people that, you know, maybe are your peers, but maybe you have like some, you know, rivalry with maybe it's people that you are like oh like this person or like this crew like this they stress me out but like I know that I should be there and those are my friends and whatever so it one it says to me around other people it doesn't say solitude so that's like the first very clear message Mm. and then the other one is sort of being in the mix of things and that mix of things not necessarily always being trine energy but being a little bit square energy too but definitely being in the mix of things so like from this i feel like it's a city i feel like it's a city with other people who are doing things that you're doing for some reason like music scenes just kind of feels also like this could very much be sort of a band, you know what I mean? Like this could be a group of people creating something together and sometimes it's harmonious and sometimes it's disharmonious, but it's like, you know, even the dissonance is getting something done. So I feel like the answer to the question is around like-minded people, even if those like-mindedness is sometimes is like, oh, you know, this person's so annoying. Um, but in the process of doing with them, being around them and not in isolation. So definitely somewhere that you're going to be in dialogue, in community, in the in the mix, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. That's that's what I get from this. Do you do the uh the astrological correlations to those cards also? Sometimes, if it feels intuitively right for me. Right. It's interesting just because uh that card refers to the first decan of Leo, which is where the sun just moved. Yes. And you also are zero degree Aquarius. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's you're in the first decan of the access. Indeed. I love I love a zero degree Aquarius. That's so cool. I love I love all of our zero degree friends. Yeah, I I definitely wrapped that zero degrees Aquarius really hard. It was it was such an important degree has been for a year and a half, you know, like in in last March. Uh, Saturn moved into Aquarius and then immediately Mars moved in and conjoined Saturn right there at zero degrees of Aquarius. And I, I gave a talk for the Fresh Voices and Astrology Conference. I gave a talk about like how to remediate rough transits because I was looking at this Mars-Saturn conjunction on my moon uh, and I was in an Aquarius perfection year at that time. And I was just like, this is going to fuck my shit up. Um, I was worried about broken legs. <laughs> so I like did a bunch of like magical rituals in order to like uh, keep myself safe and nothing happened. So Good. <laughs> well, then it worked. But then after that, you know, Saturn went back into Capricorn and hung out in Capricorn for a little while longer. What's up? Saturn returned. Still time. And then <laughs> uh, Saturn moved into Aquarius a second time. And this time Jupiter came and conjoined Saturn right at that zero degrees of Aquarius as well. And then now we have the full moon to that. And so maybe the full moon is some kind of culmination of uh that story yeah and and maybe the embodiment of it you know since we can Mm, since we can with the moon we can really it's so tactile and with some Mm -hmm. of those other ones it's like you know it's more conceptual um the moon is like you are feeling it it's so maybe Mm -hmm. all of those things that were extracted through those conjunctions last year like now we can really sit in them and feel it Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Zamboni, this has been so lovely. Thank you so much. Where can we find you and connect with you? I know that you have a Patreon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes, let us know where we can continue to find your work. Yeah, yeah. So everything is Zamboni Funk. You can find me at ZambonyFunk.com. You can go on Instagram. Uh, my my handle there is Zamboni Funk. You can go to Patreon.com slash Zamboni Funk. So on Patreon, I do... So electional is kind of my uh, my strongest suit right now. It's the thing that I do the best. Um, I look at a lot of electional charts. So not only do I do the dailies um, where I sort of approach that electionally, but I also go through every day of the month and uh, and give a time that's a good time to like launch your product or uh, do whatever whatever it is that you're doing in your life. You know what I mean? Send an important email, uh, you know, send a text message to somebody you think is cute. Take a psychedelic trip. I've, I've elected all of these things. Also importantly, so part of the part of the thing about timing and um, part of the, this is one of the things that uh, shows up in music all the time also that I think is sorely neglected is that the rests are as important as the notes. The rests are as important as the notes. So, so throughout the, the electional report, there, there are also times when it's like, no, you should rest today. You should not try to launch your product or do whatever the thing it is at, the, uh, at this moment because the moon is uh, like in this T-square with the Saturn-Uranus thing or, or whatever it is, right? And so, there, uh, so I write in a report there for every day of the month. You can look through every day and see, is today a good day? And if so, at what time should I do my thing? One of the th- nice things about living in a digital culture um, is that a lot of times you can do stuff to the minute, you know? So like when it's time to uh, send that text or email or whatever, you can wait till 913. And mm-hmm. then like when, when you've got the degree of the ascendant right where you want it and then press send and it happens right in that moment. So you can do a lot with this kind of thing. And so I, I write an electional report there regularly. I also teach astro basics there on how to understand uh, natal astrology. And then also, I also teach toward electional, you know? To me, it's very much like astrology is a very useful tool. And so how do we use astrology not only to know stuff, but to make our lives better? And so uh, I teach toward that electional. uh, So I do astro basics there and I do the electional report there as well. And so that's all on patreon.com slash Zamboni Funk. You can find me on Instagram, uh, Zamboni Funk there. I do the uh, dailies every day and I do the weeklies every week. Uh, All that's free. And uh, you can just sort of show up and, and hang out. You can find me at zambonifunk.com if you want to get a reading. I also do natal chart readings, you know, if you want to get in on some of this brutal honesty, perhaps, <laughs> or, you know, but there, you know, we, we have a good time. You know, I, I really try to be relatable and personable uh, in the way that I approach astrology. I talk a lot about uh, Beyonce or pop culture things that come, come up, you know, and it like, Beyonce is one of my favorite ones, especially in this moment. We've got Venus and Virgo right now. And uh, one of the things that I always talk about with uh, Venus and Virgo is Beyonce had this song called Pretty Hurts. Oh, that's so Venus Virgo. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> light on whatever's worse, right? <laughs> oh, that's so Venus Virgo. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, this idea of like a keen eye for flaws or something like this, right? And so, so I like, I really try to, to be relevant in a way that Valens doesn't feel as relevant necessarily. <laughs> or some of these texts from like the second or the sixth century CE or something like this, you know? Uh, so I try to really be modern and personable 
And uh, so there's a lot of hip hop references and this, these kinds of things as well. So you can find me in these places. All of it is Zamboni Funk. Thank you so much. So lovely to connect with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here. This has been great.